spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. <clears throat> Welcome to Max Mike Movies. Each week we discuss a movie one of us hasn't previously seen, but the other one has. Might be a favorite film, controversial film, or one we can't believe the other hasn't watched. We'll go over the plot of the film in our show portion, go back and forth over the film's merits, points, and details in Lowdown, and finish up with the Roundup, where we decide if the film was worth seeing, if it's still worth seeing, and if it's worth seeing a second time. My name is Mike Luce, one of your hosts. And my name is Max Levine, the other of your hosts. <laughs> Otherwise known as The Other. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to be discussing, uh, this week we're discussing The Big Kahuna. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which, by the way, I was very disappointed to find out was not a surfing movie. I um, I thought this was Frankie Avalon and Annette, Annette Funicello. I find it hard to believe that what you're saying is the truth. I speak only the truth. Also, I would like to point out, this is the first of the Max Mike movies that we have done where we are both in the same room at the same time. That is true, because usually we are halfway across the country from each other. This actually makes it more difficult, partially because we also just watched the film together, and we had to sit there not saying anything to each other. Like, exactly. No, 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 save it for the show. Although I do, I do enjoy the fact that I am wearing a full-on rabbit costume, while Mike is dressed as a sort of uh, idealized ver version of the complete Renaissance man. Not complete. No. Uh, the socks don't match. No, well, but. yeah, but it, it's very hard to get hand-stitched linen hose these days. You said you were going to bring them, and you didn't. I couldn't find them. I, I the, the stuff that they had was not good enough. It did, did not match those pantaloons. This show does have production values. We do. And I'm, I'm very disappointed. Anyway. We have standards. The show. This is the show portion, where mm. we're going to talk about the Big Kahuna's plot. What is it about? Well, this one's actually pretty easy. Mm. Um, it really is a film about three marketing reps for an industrial lubricant company trying to land literally the Big Kahuna, the big fish. They are there to get a big account, and it's really more of a character study, uh, not only of their three different approaches to the problem at hand, but to life itself. Um, it is based on a play called The Hospitality Suite. It is, if you didn't know this, very obviously based on a play because Ooh, the yeah. entire film takes place almost entirely in one room. Yeah, and it's very dialogue heavy. It is very dialogue heavy. It is not a big room either. Mm. So I would even go so far as to say it's a little bit claustrophobic. Yeah, a little bit. Um, interestingly enough, the director of this film, whose name I did not write down for no particularly good reason, has made one film, and yeah. this is it. This is it. Um, the person who wrote the play, who's, I'm going to mispronounce his name, I'm sure, his name is Roger Rueff, or Roof, mm. also wrote the script. The take on this film was fairly modest. Um, it was $3 million. I did not find out what the budget was, but I'm guessing it was fairly low. Mm. Um, Kevin Spacey, uh, oh, I, I forgot to mention, this film has a big elephant in the room, which yeah. we will get to later. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Spacey, one of the three stars of this film, um, made this five years after The Usual Suspects, which a lot of people consider to be his breakout film. There were a lot of other films that came between that film and this one, such as American Beauty um, and uh, other great films that he was in. I can't remember the top of my I head. think Seven he was in. Uh, yes, that, that, was, that was one before this. So this came out, I think, in 2000, right? It depends on who you look at. I saw oh. both 1999 and 2000. Oh, okay. Let's say it's right around there. Mm -hmm. uh, the three stars of the film are... Kevin Spacey, mm -hmm. um, Danny DeVito, mm. and Peter Facinelli. Probably Excuse best... Me, the fabled 
Peter Facinelli. No, he's actually in this. Yeah, no, no, I'm talking about how famous he is because I didn't. My first thought when I saw the character, I thought that was. I'm going, is that Christian Bale? He is That's somewhat Baleish, but you okay. actually do know him. He played Carlisle Cullen in the Twilight movies. Oh dear God! <laughs> yes. No. Yes. yes no. He, he was Doctor Acula. Well, I, I oh, suppose God. you could put it that way. Yes. Oh, Doctor Acula. I, I was. I looked him up, and the first thing I saw was he played Maxwell Lord on the Supergirl TV show. I, I did not realize he goes from fable to notorious now. Yeah, I'm actually surprised. I kept waiting for you to say something during the movie. It's like, oh, that's who this is. No, I had no if, idea. He looks. So if you different. gave his face some color, yeah, <laughs> and changed his hair color. Yes, you would anyway, get pretty yeah. good. Anyway, mm. um, so that is the show portion of our film. Mm-hmm. Let's go right into the lowdown. The lowdown. Now, mm. um, Max, you had yeah. not seen this film. I have never seen it. Um, is it safe to say that unless I had mentioned it, you had never heard of this film? No, I had heard of this film uh, because it. I remember seeing ads for it, and it's like, wow, Danny DeVito and Kevin Spacey, there is a pairing I would not have thought of. Mm-hmm. And a friend or two might have mentioned it, people who like more uh, obscure films. I hadn't really planned to see it. I mean, but yeah, I had heard of it. But I knew almost nothing about it. I'm going to be willing to bet that that is probably true for most people listening to this. It is not a major film in any way, shape, or form. I don't know if the play was a major deal. As As we mentioned, it's very obviously a play. Yeah. The same way... One of other Kevin Spacey's other films was a very obviously a play, which was Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah, very. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one too almost takes place entirely in one room. There's the restaurant. There's a couple. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think at least of the things that I have seen him in, this is Danny DeVito's finest performance. I would put it up there with other people's money. I think he does a really nice job in that. That's another one a lot of people haven't, haven't seen. seen. Yeah, but uh, I think he, no, I think this he shows remarkable range. Uh, Honestly, he was, to me, the big surprise. I, you kind of expect Kevin Spacey to be good, and he was, is, and, you know, Dr. Cullen was okay. I'm sorry, now that you've told me that, that's who he's, that's all I can think of. But uh, Danny DeVito gives a very subtle, nuanced performance, much more so than he does. He usually does very broad strokes. Such as The Penguin. Yeah, The Penguin, or Twins, or any of the movies with, with Schwarzenegger. He tends to be very loud, very brash, and uh, usually plays it more for comic relief. Um, Speaking of comic relief and Danny DeVito having broad performances, something that uh, I did find in trivia but did not bring up, but I will now because you mentioned Maxwell Lord, Mm -hmm. all three of the main characters in this have played DC villains. That's right, that is right. (laughs) DeVito was the Penguin. Yes, and uh, we have uh, Kevin Spacey who played Lex Luthor. Yep, yep, and uh, Peter Facinelli, as I said, played Maxwell Lord. So if you want to think of this play of them dressed up in those characters, it (laughs) takes on a whole different... um, It really would be a very different movie. Yeah, it, it really would. I think that uh, of the three characters, the three parts, it is safe to say that Kevin Spacey's is the biggest, mm-hmm. that arguably uh, Danny DeVito's is probably the middle part, but potentially the smallest part, and then some... The, the oh, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I think uh, uh, Facinelli, he gets, I think, the smallest number of lines. But the camera tends to be on him more because he's being spoken to more. True. It does tend to linger on him. It tends to brush off DeVito. But I will say that the the broadest part goes to DeVito. Mm. I would say his character's name is Phil. There Mm -hmm. is uh, the simply named Larry, Phil, and Bob. Yeah. We Um, have no idea what their last names are. We don't. They are 
marketing reps for a lubricant company. They are there for a basically a marketing schmooze. Mm-hmm. In the, the, they've got a hospitality suite, which Larry thinks is entirely inadequate, and they're trying to land the big Kahuna. This guy, Jim. What the hell was his last name? Doesn't matter. No. Basically, this guy because you never you see the back of his head. Yep. You never hear him speak. Really, the only one's broom closet. Yeah. He's in a fire grate. <laughs> he is in shot at all times. However, uh, so is he in fact in the film? Not as such. Ah, no, he he is. He's he's a presence, but he is more. He's more of a target. He's a focus for the other three. They they really need to land his account, and it all goes very badly for them. And Bob is the young kid who is new to the job. He's never. This is his first uh, event. Whereas, it's also, they pretty much state, Bob does not even know why he's there. Yeah, he's there. They pretty much come out and say, he's there to stand there and look pretty. And he's supposed to appear smart, because he's like in the IT, he's like the technical division yeah, yeah, yeah. representative. But he's also the young and good-looking one. And he's personable. He is. He's personable, and he speaks well. He's nice. Yeah. He's nice. Yeah. He's nice. That's and yeah. Phil, Phil is obviously the guy who's been around the block and has realized that he's been around the block yeah. and wonders what might left be for him. That's the thing. He's the one who's burnt out. Right. We know we find out he's just he's recently divorced. He's stopped drinking recently, and he doesn't know what to do now. He he wants something different, but he he doesn't know what that is. And Larry, Larry is the hardcore marketing guy. Right. He is he is what every marketing or salesperson wants to be. Yep. Incredibly eloquent, fast-talking, smooth, smooth, and he has that Kevin Spacey incredible presence, that yes. force about him. You can't not look at him when he talks. You can't not listen to him. One of the things I thought was interesting, I, I wrote down in my notes, is the very beginning of the film starts with, more or less, Phil and Bob together in the room, mm-hmm. and then Spacey is introduced through a voiceless sort of montage of him entering the hotel. The thing I found interesting is that just by watching Spacey move, you have an instant idea of who this guy is. Yeah. He is like, he's full of himself, he is suave, he thinks he's making an impression, and there's not a word being spoken by him until he actually makes it to the room. He is a shark. I mean, yes. he is, he's a predator, you can tell. Oh God, that really, <laughs> that has interesting uh, Yeah, we're, we're going to get to that uh, big yep, elephant. Well, uh, it's of, hard to, to avoid it. but I, I know, and yeah. I will admit that one of the reasons I chose this film was because of the big elephant in the room. But oh. We're not going to get there just yet. Okay. Um, so you said you'd heard of the film. Mm-hmm. When we sat down to watch it, did you have any preconceived notions or impressions that either were shattered mm. or were fulfilled? I thought it was going to be more of a comedy, really. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because that's how it's labeled. Yeah, it's not a comedy. It, it is funny. There are funny parts of yes. it, but it's also very poignant and kind of painful sometimes. Yes, towards the end especially. Yeah, it's 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 difficult. So that kind of surprised me. I thought it would be a little goofier or a little wackier. I also thought that the big kahuna would be a character as opposed to the back of an idea. Yes. Yeah, the, uh, a concept, which is actually interesting because that's when... When Spacey is telling, is talking to Bob, he's saying, we're here, we're not people. We are representatives. We are an idea of, from the company. We're not us. We're the hands of the company. And Bob says to him, well, then why don't they just send robots? And Spacey answers in what is a painfully, not just apt, but also, I think, predictive line. The only reason they don't send robots, Bob, 
is they haven't invented the ones that can do this yet. As soon as they do, you can bet they will dump us and you send robots. But for now, there's us. Do you notice also, they're always, they both, Phil and Larry, they use Bob's name a lot. Bob. They hey, always say Bob. Bob. And Spacey's very careful because he pauses every time yeah. he says Bob. He what do you think, name? Bob? Which is partly, I, I think it's sort of... Uh, it's a diminutive. Yeah, it's diminutive. But it's also a salesman's trick. Salesmen do that. When they talk to you, they use your name over and over to establish a sense of intimacy and that we, I know who you are, uh, I, you know, we have a connection. It's also, by the way, a technique of not forgetting the name of someone you just met. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, going way off track, the, the Hollywood story I can think of that most exemplifies the opposite of this mm-hmm. was Zsa Zsa Gabor or Ava. I honestly don't know if they're not interchangeable. <laughs> Um, but was very well known for calling people darling, and it's yeah. because she couldn't remember their names. Ah. It's like, oh, darling, you look, she was so good in that. Oh, darling, it's wonderful to see you again. In other words, I'm Betty, she's not the Carol, only one. I don't yeah. know. That's um, why you get people like, hey, buddy, hey, chief, hey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, so, as somebody who's been in retail an exceedingly long time, <laughs> I will. Uh, counter, not counter what Max, I will, I'll uphold what Max has said, that yes, indeed, you do, in fact, use people's names to make it more personal. And I know, especially because I work with a very large number of people, I use their names whenever possible because I will forget them. Mm. Uh, there are basically about 200 people where I work. Yeah. And if I don't use some of their names, I will forget them. I spend sometimes during the day going, they're coming towards me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Steve, Fred, <laughs> Marty. Uh, uh, but I uh, think in this case also, I mean, well, I think that is establishes them more as salespeople, as sales reps or marketing reps, the distinction between which is often kind of blurry. But it's also very much setting Bob over here and Phil and Larry are over here. It gave me the impression that I'm using your name, Bob, Mm -hmm. although you haven't really earned the place yet, Bob, to be part of our team. Yeah, I could see that. I want to go back a little bit where you were bringing up the idea of the big kahuna. I've only seen this film twice. I saw it roughly when it came out. I did not see it in a theater. What happened was that I had seen Usual Suspects in 95 when it came out, loved the film. And then when I moved out to Michigan with my partner, he had not seen it. And I was he saw it and was like, hey, who's this Kevin Spacey guy? We should see more stuff by him. Mm-hmm. American Beauty had come out. We'd seen that. So we went looking for films with him in it that we hadn't seen. And this was one of them in, you know, a video store. For those listening, <laughs> a video store was a place you could rent movies that you would go to the... St- oh, right, never mind. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this film popped up. And I was like, well, he's in it, it must be good. And it was I didn't even know what to expect because the blurbs in the back of the boxes back then were basically useless. So I saw this again roughly 1999, 2000 when it came out and remembered really liking the film. Um, and so I just saw it again for the second time, you know, 18 years later or whatever. The Big Kahuna, uh, at the time for me anyway, meant what is pretty obvious in the film, meant this this account, this man. But then I started wondering, maybe it also means something else. Maybe it's not a person. Maybe part of the point of the play is that the big kahuna is life. Hmm. And the point is to land life or to, to figure life out, to excel at life itself. Certainly, I think that's where Bob is going. I think Phil is starting to realize this towards the end of the film, and I think Larry is still clueless. See, I, I don't know. I think the big kahuna... Which, by the way, they never say... No, they actually say the Grand Kahuna. Yeah, never actually called... The Big Kahuna is often used in the vernacular to represent God. Yeah, well... And one of the character conflicts is Bob... See, he did it too. I did it too. (laughs) Is 
what's a polite way to put it? Very religious. Extremely religious. He's a Baptist. And one of the major conflicts is when he makes a connection with the big kahuna, you know, as perhaps you might expect. Fuller. I think his name was Fuller. That's right, Jim Fuller. He makes a connection to Jim Fuller, who they meet at the, uh, at the event, but Fuller's wearing a different name tag, so Larry and Phil miss him entirely. Because they don't know what he looks like. Yep. And he spends the whole evening talking with Bob about dogs. And then later, Bob is sent off to find him, and he ends up talking to him about Jesus the whole night. Right. And not bringing up uh, lubricants, <laughs> one would assume, of any kind. It's certainly not industrial lubricants. And this pisses off, of course, Phil and Larry. Especially Larry. Very much Larry. Yeah. And I just thought that was unusual, that they don't use the term the big kahuna. It's always the grand kahuna, which in a lot of ways, Larry says, he says the grande kahuna. Right. Where he's actually mixing the language, you know, kahuna being Hawaiian and grande being Spanish. Right. I, the original play's name was The Hospitality Suite, and I don't know if they renamed the movie after it was shot from the hospitality suite so that that's why the, the actual words big kahuna are not in the film mm-hmm. because they didn't know they were going to title i don't know there was mm-hmm. no there's very little information about the film on online mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's definitely that feeling that it is also god and the nice thing about this is that i'm generally religious films are not my thing and religion is a very important part of this film or at least the way it's being used is important in this film that being said, we end up with three separate opinions as to what this means and what how its importance and that sort of thing. And that's where I think a lot of the, the tension and the drama comes from. Mm-hmm. I think that you get Larry, who is basically the jaded um, non-believer. You get Phil, who isn't sure, but who's tired and he can see things from both sides. And then you get Bob, I'm sorry, you get Bob, <laughs> for, who's the, the wide-eyed Sarge White, yes, yes, Zealot. Or as as Larry, I think, quite rightfully points out, marketing agent for Christianity. Um, yeah, that was a nice touch. I mean, It was. Mm. It was my favorite part of the film. So what happened, one thing I left out about the, in the plot synopsis is that they have this hospitality suite. And what's supposed to happen is that at this convention for, uh, I guess, for industrial lubricant, lubricants. Like you do in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. Um, this is the central, the hub, if you do not know it. Yes. No, I don't know. Yeah. Myself. <laughs> they have a less than stellar hospitality suite. Mm. And unfortunately, they only have a third hand assurance that Mr. Fuller is actually going to come to the party. And it is believed through the first two thirds of the film that he has not shown up. And that's because Bob was not told who the guy was, not even his name. None of them knew what he looked like. Mm. And Phil and Larry were spending all this time looking for name tags. So it turned out that he was there and nobody knew it until they're they're conversing about it. And finally Bob says, oh, Fuller, yeah, he's the guy I spent the entire party talking to. And they're like, yeah, wait a minute. Didn't you mention industrial lubricants? And Bob says, well, no, I didn't. And they were like, why not? And he he's said, like, because the guy seemed like he wanted to be left alone. Right. He just wanted to have a nice conversation. And this is entirely true. Now... We don't know if this means that, in the end, Bob's approach was successful. Like, was it successful for, you know, his and getting him interested in their company for industrial lubricants? Was um, 
he's excited. Did he convert him? We don't know. Uh, well, basic... it's, it's an interesting thing that they bring up there. Saying, you were talking to him about Jesus the whole night. Did you bring up the company? And he says, no, because I think it's important to talk to people about this. And I didn't want him to think I was using it as a setup, to, uh, as pitch. The thing is, Larry points out to him later, yeah, you were. It was a pitch. It was a pitch for Jesus. It was exactly the same as it would be if you were just pitching our lubricant. Right. And as he also, as Larry points out, you're doing it on our dime. The company sent you here with a job to do, and you said, no, I think it's more important that I... Proselytize. Yeah, that I, I basically do what I think is is right or important. As a human being. Yeah. Which is fine, but here's point. the thing. Quite honestly... Bob, <laughs> when you pack to wherever they're from, I can't remember. They do mention it. Yeah, um, Chicago, I think. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you should quit. Yeah. You should go be a priest. Yeah. And that's Just fine. Because, uh, yeah, you are a marketing guy. And when you're on it, at it, the idea from Phil and Larry's perspective is when you are at one of these events, you are the company. You represent the company. Your personal beliefs have to take a back seat. Right. Bob, in maybe <clears throat> is either his innocence or whatever, says, no, those beliefs never take a back seat. They're part of who I am. In which case, you don't make a good company representative. That's the thing. You don't make a sale. Also, he is trying to sell something. Yeah. He's, he's trying to get people to believe what he believes. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, there was one little thing in there that popped up, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. About half, halfway through the film or so, we're in the hospitality suite. Um, each of the three characters has a little dream moment of mm. how either they... I'm guessing it's really more how they wished the party had gone as opposed to how they think it went. Mm -hmm. And one of them uh, was Larry's. And he ends up donning from nowhere this big kahuna hat. Yeah, it's Hawaiian got, headdress. Yeah. And he, everyone's praying to him. The song playing in the background is the, th the theme song to the movie Charade, which uh, I thought was actually very interesting. Uh, so I hadn't noticed that the first time around. Yeah, basically, he, in his fantasy, he places himself as the big kahuna. Right, and everyone bows down to there, Larry because yep. Larry is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's see what else do I have in here. Oh, yeah, they were talking. There's a in the beginning of the film they mention um, the fact that Phil's face has a lot of character, and at the end of the film, this leads to quite honestly the best speech in the in the film I think, which mm -hmm. is Phil with Danny DeVito again talking about why Bob has no character and he has no character in his face, which is very very true. The yeah. actor in question, um, his face is like a blank slate. He's, he's also the only one wearing a white shirt. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, the other two are wearing blue. Right. But Bob is about as starched and pressed mm -hmm. and, and white as you get. Yep. Not a hair out of place. His tie is perfectly tied, whereas the others get mussed as the evening goes on. <laughs> Even after there's a fight. Yeah. So Larry and, and, Bo and Bob get into a fight <laughs> at one point because basically Larry has had it, and Bob is refusing to see Bar uh, Larry's point. They actually get into a little rough and tumble in the uh, the hotel room, but Bob comes out of it not sweating. Nope. His hair is in place, his tie is still tied, and Larry's shirt's untucked, and he's all yeah, a mess. Yeah, I don't know. If it's an it, interesting little point. One of the points I I liked. It was a little thing toward the beginning, and it really establishes how well Phil and Larry a know each other and b work with each other. Whole time, Larry is complaining about the suite. It's too small. The food is too chintzy. They don't have shrimp. But while Bob is in the bathroom, he, Phil and Larry are rearranging the room. They're moving the furniture together. At no time do they say, let's put this over here, or how about we do... Without just complete nonverbal communication, they rearrange the room, and it ends up looking like twice as big 
right. as it did when they walked in. And you can tell they've done this hundreds of times, and they're in perfect sync. Yeah. I, I really liked that. I thought that's a really good way to show these two are a unit. Right. Bob is still on, very much on the outside. What's also interesting is that the beginning of the film, when Larry first shows up in the room, and this is the Kevin Spacey character, he's upset about everything and basically keeps insulting Phil, mm-hmm. Danny DeVito. Um, oh, you did this wrong. You're you're responsible for this. You should have set this up. Didn't you call this person? Did you talk to them? Blah, blah, blah. And I know that mm-hmm. comes later. But um, later on, you do see, in fact, uh, Phil comes out and says, that man's very important to me. He is a very close friend, and this is why. Yeah. And I get to get into this really interesting co- talk about honesty, which leads to that big speech. Before we get to the big elephant, because mm-hmm. we have to get to the big elephant, I and again, we... that's one of the reasons that I chose this film, I want to ask the obvious question, and we'll also cover mm-hmm. this in the, the roundup. Did you like the movie? Yeah, I did. Cool. I think the dialogue is great. It's very punchy. It's very... It's very much a play. It's very mannered and and somewhat affected, but it works. And even the weird little fantasy scenes, the way they flow together. Mm -hmm. And I also like the fact that while it is obviously a play, it's not shot like one. They don't just pull the camera back and let the room do the talking. Right, it's not like PBS. Yeah, there are a lot of close-ups, a lot of panning shots. A lot of mirrors, which is tricky to do with film. Yes, a lot of mirrors. (laughs) Not sure what they're doing. It's, again, a lot about people seeing themselves... Larry has this wonderfully gross speech about the bathroom has all these mirrors. They're so well arranged, you could watch yourself wipe your own ass. If the if the pharaohs of Egypt could have done this, if they had had the technology, they would have done this. They had mirrors. <laughs> says Philpa, they had mirrors. Oh, little things. They had mirrors. He's probably right. And you know, Bob, <laughs> at one point in your life, you should watch yourself wipe your own ass. Because yeah. all you spend the rest of your life watching other people do their own. Mm-hmm. So you should at least once, yeah. Bob... Yeah. The other mirror point is when Bob has got has left the suite and he's going to he's going to find uh, Jim Cut, Cutler Fuller Fuller Fuller, Fuller whatever see again the name doesn't he's going to see <laughs> it the doesn't big, matter he's going to see talk to the big Kahuna because he's been invited to this exclusive after party that Phil and Larry can't go to he stops at a store window looks at himself in the mirror and is just very clearly there's nothing he's not looking at his eyes he's not. Uh, Analyzing himself, he's not. He's seeing how he looks on the outside. On the outside, and that's all that seems to matter at that point. Well, it's also brought up by Phil later, and it's like the reason you your face has no character. The reason you have no character is that you have no regrets. And until you do something you regret, then you are not going to have any character. That that was the distinction I really liked because Bob says, "You mean in order to have character, I have to do something I regret?" And Phil says, "No." You've already done things you should regret, but you don't know it yet. Right. I, I was I that really hit me. That's like, oh my god, that's true. That's it, brilliant. It was some really nice there's some really nice writing all the way through. Yeah. The Larry character, the, the the Kevin Spacey character, and I'm having a hard time seeing somebody else in that role. I'm not saying that nobody else could play it, mm-hmm. but it's almost like somebody said, Ah, I need to write a role for that man. It, he fits it really, really well. Yes, and his delivery, his timing is, I mean, and, yeah, we're getting, there, we're getting close to that. Yep, big the moments, there's some moments at the ending where it's things aren't as clear. There is this very sweet moment where Phil and Larry are waiting for Bob to come back to see if he's done what they said. And Phil asks Larry, do you love me? Right. And Larry makes a joke out of it, you know, like, do you ask me to have your children? Then I have to say no. 
Or are you asking what I give my life for yours? Would I jump off that, that balcony if you told me to? Then I'd have to say no, yeah. Phil. Then, after the whole exchange with Bob, and Phil is left, and Larry is left, and Bob is left, and Phil's alone in the suite, and the phone rings, and he picks up the phone, and we don't, we aren't told who he's talking to, although it's, I think it's pretty clear, that he says, no, you just missed him, because Bob just left. And then there's this pause, and he goes, I love you too. And I think that means that was Larry talking to him. Watching it this time, I had the implication that maybe it could have been someone else. Who? The big kahuna. Mm. I I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking there's an implication. That's a little more metaphorical than anything else in the movie eh, is. The that's movie. where the big religion part was. Yeah, but that's all discussed, and it's very straightforward. The things that actually happen in the movie are very grounded in reality. They aren't... Except for the little fantasies. Yeah, but the fantasies are... It's very clear those are fantasies. This is meant to actually happen. The thing that's interesting to me is that religion is brought into it, and it is quite obvious that Bob is as pure as the driven snow, or at least he believes himself to be. Yeah, yeah. He's very very skeeved out by the fact that Phil is divorced. Right. He, he thinks that this is like, why would you do that? How horrible a thing to be divorced. Yeah. And it's like, we never find out why. No. Um, my guess is that part of it has to do with the fact that Phil's wife did not love him. That's I don't sort know that of implied. She, well, I think that's the whole thing, do you love me? I think the reason he's asking Larry, do you love me, is basically, does anybody? Oh. We don't get the impression that he has any kids. They're certainly never mentioned. No. Anyway, so the religion is brought up as this this pure thing, but it's not. It's not a pure thing. And because we've got these, almost like a little Greek chorus, we get three different views of it. We get the pure Bob version. Mm-hmm. We get the Larry, yeah, I don't think so version. And then we get the Phil, I don't know version. Yeah. And it's almost like three, it really is almost like three ages of man, right, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, there's a lot of metaphor, I think, going on. The play is, I, I don't know anything else by this playwright. It sort of reminded me that some of that really crisp, back and forth dialogue reminded me of the guy you like we watched a film of his um man his particular dialogue you say he's very wordy oh aaron sorkin yes yes it not i'm not saying it's the same quality or the same no no it's it is the same idea it's very all every character is very verbose and very eloquent and there's not a word placed wrong we all wish we talked like yeah it yeah exactly it's an idealized form of like me oh yes yes because i'm so quick i can come up with a um those um, things, yeah, yeah the that. Thing with see, the, I yeah. see how quick that was. <laughs> that wasn't even edited. That was real. Yep, that was live, folks. Yeah, no, no, it mm. was like you people don't really talk this way, but damn, yeah. we wish we did. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Which is really what most plays are like. They're right. idealized forms of language. When you start to make people talk in actual, actual natural terms, it's really hard to listen to. Yes, and it's often dull. Yeah, some people can do it. Robert Altman can do it. Well, Robert Altman can do it. He also partially does it by having many people talking at the same time. And a lot of mumbling. It's really irritating. And in heavy accents. Yeah. One of my favorite films of his is Gosford Park, which... You have to watch with the subtitles, pretty much. I've seen it so many times that I have no problem with it now, but the first couple, three times, yeah. And it's like, nobody's there speaking a foreign language. They're just British and Irish... No, Scottish and North English. Yeah, various places. Anyway. Yeah. Anything else before we get to that big thing, yeah, yeah. that big elephant that's in the yeah, corner snorting? One thing I, I thought was interesting was over the credits at the very end. That was the other thing. The end is a little strange. At the end, they're all sort of you know either at peace with things or have given up. Right. And Larry 
goes down to the lobby and he sees Bob talking to the big kahuna again and they look at each other and they they sort of smile at each other. Right. What did you get from that? I'm not sure. I was hoping that, okay, maybe Bob decided to actually do his job finally. Yeah. And that's why he's smiling because it's like, I'm doing what you thought I should do. And maybe, like, I, if you look at it that way, then Larry realizes that and says, wow, he actually listened to me. Because at one point he says, I'm sorry... I tried to be your father. I was just trying to teach you something. And I, it's like saying, wow, he actually learned something from me. Maybe. Uh, I also wondered if it wasn't that because Bob smiled, Larry felt that he'd been forgiven. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I actually thought it was probably the weakest part of the film because yeah. it was... You can leave things open to interpretation, but there's usually a hint as to which way they're, they could go. And this one, it was very much, hey, I'm smiling, you're smiling, and cut. And I don't really know. I didn't feel a strong statement from that. I don't know. I felt it fairly positive. But then what gets oh, me... Oh, it's positive. I just don't know what it's the, positive about. The monologue over the credits. Oh, the like the life's, use... life's little book of, you know, things I looked you that up. Do. you know what that is? No. Yeah. It's the famous use sunscreen speech. And I say it's oh. famous. It was written... There was this whole thing on the internet where they mistakenly said, Kurt Vonnegut read this at a college graduation. That is not true. It was written by this journalist named Mary Schmich. S-C-H-M-I-C-H, look it up. As part of commencement speech for 1997. And Vonnegut himself said, I I wish I had written that. I thought it was great. But, yeah. It sounds very much like that little book, you know, Life's Little Book of Lessons or whatever it was. Yeah, a lot of it, it's a lot of aphorisms and some of it's being silly. Get uh, to know your parents, you know. But there are a couple of lines in there that are really interesting, like, do something that scares you every day. Yeah. You know, it was in, now that I think about Why that, is that in there? I'm guessing the, re- the reason that's in there is to suggest that we don't just stay inside our comfort zones, that we try to look outside of things, and that we try to... I don't think they necessarily mean, like, you should go every day and bungee jump, and then next no, time... No, but that's just that one line. The rest of it is, like, appreciate things you have, and... I think it's it's really more of a reach outside the box sort of things, and then mm-hmm. unless you feel something like a a emotion of fright or something like that, that you're not really reaching. But does that fit the movie? Well, it does for Bob, because mm-hmm. could Bob imagine doing what he needs to do, actually having a job that doesn't involve him bringing religion to it? Mm-hmm. You know, could he could he imagine a part of his life where religion couldn't be a part of it? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can okay. Phil continue on not having a wife or having an intimate relationship? Can he face life? I don't know. I'm guessing. Can't, yeah, we don't know if Phil is going to get past. He's like tired of being a marketing rep. He's just, as he says, I'm just tired. Yes, and, and his, he's, and his we know. fantasy for the party was I'm going to smoke a cigar, I'm going to have a martini, and then I'm going to jump off the ledge. Yeah, off the 16th floor. Yeah, so. Yeah, so we don't know what's going to happen to him. It's. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, the little thing, I felt to me it was sort of like, here's a bunch of little aphorisms, and the way they're read feels like marketing for something. Hmm. And that sometimes, even in something as base as marketing, there might actually be some truth. So you have to sift through the words to find what the inner the meaning might actually be. That's my, that was why I got it. Okay. All right. Well, I think we've dodged it enough. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Is uh, that the hello, elephant? Hello, yes, Jumbo. that's the elephant. So, this uh, film. Yeah. This. So I knew very well when I picked this film that it was a film starring Kevin Spacey. Mm. Kevin Spacey has been very recently, accused of, shall we say, some very horrible things, um, of being a sexual predator, not just once, but numerous times. Mm -hmm. And unlike some of the people 
that have been recently accused of such things, apparently his were completed passes in some cases, mm. or at least very inappropriate touching as opposed to... In some cases, what I've read about people is that it's been attitudes, it's been lack of experience, you know, like, oh, we can't hire you because you're, you know, a woman, things like that, up to and leading to lewd comments. Um, certain and people actual, like... And often, in some cases, sexual assault. Or, right. And he's in that yeah. camp, as yeah. it were. And unfortunately, in his case, it also involves somebody who was very much underage. Mm-hmm. I think it's generally been accepted that there is something to these accusations, partially... But this, be- this leads into a pretty serious an issue... That really, if you look at movies, if you look at any art form, what do you do? Right. What I mean, if he is this horrible person, my my favorite, my example that really has hurt me or hit me hardest was Bill Cosby. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bill Cosby, who now appears to be a monster, yes, is also a com- comic genius. Yes, he is. And yet, I can't. Can I ever listen to his stuff again? Can we watch Kevin Spacey movies without? Should we watch Kevin Spacey movies? Should we watch anything produced by Harvey Harvey Weinstein? Right. This is a pretty big issue. It is a big issue. And as, I mean, I don't think we can address it as, you know, the social aspect or or the way it deals with the the way gender roles. How do we deal with it as movie fans? And it's a big one because one of my absolute favorite films is... Usual Suspects. Mm. I really like that film. It's a brilliant film. And that film introduced me to Kevin Spacey, and it caused me to go and watch movies that he was in, or TV shows, because I did watch a good deal of uh, House of Cards. Now it's like, well, I feel icky. And like you said, should should I support these things? And it's hard, because I still like The Usual Suspects. I like The Big Kahuna. I think it's a good performance. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah. what are you supposed to do and this is but this isn't new I mean no how do we you know Chinatown's a brilliant movie Roman Polanski is a wretched human being yeah and it's like I don't know a lot of Polanski films but I actually really like The Ninth Gate mm-hmm. which is not one of his major films but I like oh, it Rosemary's Baby I have never seen it friggin terrifying brilliantly done horror movie but it's him right I mean but then you can you go back further Errol Flynn I like Errol Flynn movies. What did Errol Flynn do? Errol Flynn, it, it, there's a fair amount of evidence to suggest he was a Nazi sympathizer. Oh. Yeah. Wait, wasn't he also gay? Or was uh, that the other one? No, he was more of an omnivore. Oh, all right. Because there was Errol Flynn and mm. there was the other one. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. One of them no, I thought was... Split. I think, I don't know. Oh. That of I, course, I can't Kevin speak Spacey. To. Yeah, well. Um, yeah. I, then you go into like other forms of art. Do it. Well, then to be yeah. fair, people like Errol Flynn and Douglas Fairbanks, you know, being objectionable. It's a little easier because they're dead. That's actually a, <laughs> no. That's a big thing. Yeah. It's different because it's recent, and right. we we see these people. We see them on the red carpets. We see photos of them. You know, you, people don't go, "Oh, look, there goes Errol Flynn." It's like, "Oh, look, there's Errol Flynn's tombstone." Right. It is different if they're gone. I think that. I mean, is that it? We just can't watch any of these people until they're <laughs> Wait dead? Wait until Kevin Spacey's dead. You know, Kevin, if you could hurry that up so we can enjoy your films and not feel guilty, that'd be great. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I've wrestled with this a little bit, too. I mean, when you start looking into anybody that's famous, mm. I don't, you could probably look into anybody, mm. you'll probably find things that you disagree with. The question is a level of degree. Well, like, oh, you know, somebody used to be an alcoholic. Well, you know, that I'm against that, so, you know. But that's not the same as, like, oh, I used to rape 14-year-old boys. It is, yeah, of course it's different, because, first of all, being an alcoholic mainly affects you. Right. I mean, it does affect your family and the people around you, but right. 
this is like yeah dude, dude. that's true that, that was a bad example because that's something yeah. that in general you're doing to yourself mm. whereas the sexual things yeah. what I find that the, the thing I like best about the whole Me Too you, uh, movement is that People are coming out, and it's not being swept under the rug. Kevin Spacey is, a lot of people, even though Cosby was accused first, a lot of people look at Kevin Spacey and say, well, that's where this really started taking off. Mm-hmm. This is where we, where Hollywood actually started doing something for a change. And he was almost, even though there are accusations, and some say that may say this is not fair because he hasn't been actually proven or convicted yeah. of anything, mm-hmm. but Netflix basically said, uh, you no, know, mm-hmm. bye, see ya, you're, you're gone. The old Vic, with whom he, he worked with for a long time and got awards over there for doing plays in, in England, basically said, uh, no, bye, we don't want anything to do with you anymore either. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I do like about this, is that people who are doing these things have done these things. There are consequences now. Right, right. And so that we're actually taking the, the correct approach, which is, this should not be tolerated, this should not be allowed, mm-hmm. this should not be even something you consider doing when you're in a place of power. Mm-hmm. I mean, anywhere, but, you know, in our, in our entertainment. But in the meantime... We have all these films, yeah. and we have these performances, and we have this art, and it's like, what do you do? If you look into Picasso, for example, oh, mm, uh, yeah, or Jackson Pollock, the way I know he he was mentally ill, but the way he treated his wife, the way he treated the people around him, yes, he, yeah, the, although uh, and Picasso, yeah, jackass. As, as a side and a little side note here too, mm. if you have not seen the film Pollock, mm. I highly recommend it. That is a good film. Um, it is a very good film. I don't fun. think it really pulls many punches. Mm. It might it, the stuff it glosses over probably has more to do with location than it does to the kind of person he was, mm. and also as somebody who did not appreciate that kind of art before seeing the film, it helped me really understand it. And Ed Harris is awesome in it. Uh, Marsha Gay Harden, I'm sorry, not Marsha. No, it's right. Marsha Gay Harden yep. who won an Oscar deservedly. So for that yeah. part's great. Jeffrey Tambor is great in that film. Um, very well directed. But yeah, anyway, yeah. W- what do we do? <laughs> How did, having seen this film, we sat down. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen a Kevin Spacey film since he... I haven't. All right, so we sat down yeah. and watched this film. How do you feel about having sat there and watched a Kevin Spacey film? Oh, boy. I liked the movie. I liked watching him. I, 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 I can't deny that. Right. But there is all the way through it this part of I'm watching a consummate... A man who is accused, at least, of being a consummate asshole. Right. Of being a terrible person and... Taking advantage of the weak or people who, who are in a subordinate position, and there's no excuse for that. Right. This isn't something we can sweep, as you say, sweep under the rug. And I, I hope, what I really hope from this stuff is that we don't just, the pendulum doesn't swing back and we start going, oh, yeah, okay, we look, see, we fired these few guys and we made a big fuss. Now and, Hollywood is safe. Yeah, now, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that now everything's fine and uh, quietly goes back to normal. I really hope that is not the case. That yeah. would just that would just suck beyond belief. But What's scary though is that some of the stuff coming out, it's like it's not, it's not that we're now honing in on the lesser crimes. The stuff that's coming out since then is even worse. Mm. Uh, one of the biggies recently was John Chris Felusi, however one pronounced that. Oh, oh, the cartoonist. Yes, the Ren and Stimpy Ren guy. Ren and Stimpy guy. Yeah. Uh, known, well known, even at the time that he was palling around with a sixteen-year-old. And that there was a subsequent woman after that who is also underage that came to him looking for advice, etc. Let me bring you into the industry, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know this one. Yeah, and there was a... (laughs) 
his lawyer told him, whatever you do, don't pu publish this letter of apology you're going to publish. And he did it anyway, and it actually makes matters worse. It makes mm. him see seem even creepier than he was. Oh, fabulous. It's not just the attitude of some people in the industry. It's anybody around these people mm. and how this affected them affects them. And yet, even us as viewers, just watching a movie, mm. do should we feel uncomfortable? Should we feel uncomfortable? <laughs> Even if we enjoy it, should we feel uncomfortable? I don't know if there's a should here yeah. or if there is. I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't. I'm not smart enough to answer this. I don't know. I don't think it's a black and white thing either. Um, on the other hand, I would say it's definitely fair to say that anybody who has been convicted of these things, Bill Cosby, we should not allow them to, or we should. We can't allow anything, but we should not encourage them to make future projects that puts them forth. Yeah, but does that mean? But then every time we say rent one of their movies, we're putting money in their pockets. Well, Max is lucky in this case because I rented it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so that's you one. You are clean. Pure <laughs> is the driven snow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so does that mean I have to throw away my DVD of The Usual Suspects? or Does that accomplish anything? No, I already paid for it. Right. I already got my money. Right. But does that, okay, then I think I look at the big one and say, hey, that was a really good movie. Oh, but should I buy it? And I want a copy. Should we do a show about it? <laughs> well, yeah, we should because this is Oops. we're talking about it. Oops, we did it. Yeah, yeah. doing it. Uh, yeah. I don't know either, and I don't know that there's a. Well, there's certainly not an answer you and I can come up with that everybody would follow anyway. Yeah. I think that we we have to look forward and say that these are people that we no longer wish to associate with on future projects. We do not want to add to their coffers. This actually came up with me when we watched Social Network last mm -hmm. time, yeah. which is that I want to quit Facebook because I don't like this person and I don't want to be helping them. <laughs> and by having a Facebook account, in some way, I am. And before That one, I think, was a bit more fictionalized, but even still... Yes, but the character in that... The, ver the portrayal of Mark Zuckerberg, he's not a criminal. He's not a monster. He's just an, an ass. Yes. I mean, God, if we start not only... Uh, if we start uh, trying to exclude the works of everyone <laughs> who's a jerk, what will we have to watch? We watch reruns of Mr. Rogers. That's about it. Because nobody, nobody says nothing about Mr. Rogers. You touch Mr. Rogers. No way. I'm coming after you. Seriously. Yeah. You don't look Rogers like, I'll mess you up. I'm a little um, concerned. You know, there's a new uh, movie about him coming out. Don't want to see it. No. The man was a saint. That's it. End of discussion. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, he was a sniper in Vietnam. Oh, that's all. Man, <laughs> go to Snopes. I go know. to Snopes. It's not true. It's not not Snoke. True. Snopes. Yep. <laughs> Never go to Snoke. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't Snoke. No, don't no, smoke. No. I'm dead. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Brenner. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we make fun of it, but yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think we're going to answer it today. But no, we, I, I think don't. it's mainly thing is we just can't. We have to keep thinking about it. We have to keep working on it. And uh, it's hard to enjoy this stuff. It's hard for me to ever watch a Woody Allen movie again. If even a yeah. fraction of what they're saying about him is true. Yeah. And I know a lot of people consider him a, a genius. Uh, I'm not one I of know, them. You're not, a Woody, you're not a Woody fan. I, I can't stand the man. I think some of his early stuff is just brilliant. I know a lot of people do. It's but, just I don't think he's bad. I just don't appreciate him. Yeah. And now I don't know if I can watch it again. Right. I think literally the last new Woody Allen film I saw was Broadway Danny Rose. Oh, good lord. Yeah. It's like 20 years ago. And I th think he's not even in it? Is that yeah, one? Uh, no, he is. Oh, he's, 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 he's Danny Rose. He is in the, Okay, I thought the yeah. last one I saw was one of his that he wasn't No, in. no, that started later. He oh, started okay. casting other people as Woody Allen. 
Right. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. If you do decide, well, I'm not going to support Kevin Spacey, sadly, I think you're going to miss, and again, this is my mm-hmm. opinion, Danny DeVito's best performance. He, Max has seen him in something that I haven't seen. But And the thing is, is that you, you don't even get the best of the performance till the very end of the film because the one character who really is shown going through some development, and remember, this is a, this is a 90-minute film, yeah. is Phil, Danny DeVito's character. And you get the impression that Danny DeVito has been fairly suicidal throughout the film, but at the end, it's kind of like, it's not great, but I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah, you get the feeling he sort of came through the long, dark night of the soul. Yeah. And maybe that's even what the film's about. Maybe. So... I would say, let's not keep hiring these people, mm. but and let's keep it in mind when we go to look at the things that they have made. Make a conscious choice. Make a conscious choice. Think about it. Yeah. You know, just about anything else. Cosby, ugh. Uh. Man. Um, I grew up with Cosby, and Max grew up with yep. Cosby. His albums were hilarious. Mm. I loved Fat Albert. Yeah. Um, I was not a fan of the Cosby show, but he was funny in it. You know, I know that was a huge thing, but it's just like the man was just... And I, I, did, I did not get to see... What was the... the him and Robert Culp were in the TV oh, show. Oh, I Spy. I Spy was apparently a very groundbreaking film, or a TV show. Yeah. And just like, wow. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm over... Cos- I don't think I can watch Cosby yet. I, I haven't been able to listen to any of his stuff. Which is... And it's a loss for me. I'm it is. I'm sorry about that. And, and I'm me, pissed at him for doing that to me. <laughs> And I'm upset that I don't really want to go back and watch... I mean, I will watch... I watch this Kevin Spacey film, but I won't really go seeking out some of his performances because I really liked him as an actor. But yeah, that, well, you brought up an interesting point because that movie is not... Well, the movie we just saw, Big Kahuna, isn't just a Kevin Spacey movie. No. So does that mean we have to tar all the people in uh, the movies he's in? Right, Usual Suspects has a great performance by Gabriel Byrne. And a terrific cast in general. I mean, Benicio Del Toro and all the others. Even Stephen Baldwin's pretty good. Benicio is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the guy, the the fifth guy. Oh, Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock. I don't know him that well, but... He's mostly a stand-up comic, and you you know him somewhat, Fro, because he was one of the two little guys in Willow. Oh, right. Oh, he was a brownie. Yep. Oh, God. Okay. I always think of them as brownies. Yeah, you are saved. (laughs) I stole the baby. (laughs) Um, It's also well-written and well-directed. Yeah. Because it's a... Oh, man. Is it Kevin Owen? I think it is. Uh, Yeah, I think it It is is Kevin Kevin Owen. Owen. Yes. So, yeah, do you flush their performances and their work down because one member of the cast... For all I know, the rest of them were horrible people, too. I don't know. I don't think so. But do you flush that down the toilet because one person... Ended up being a reprehensible human being, and I'm gonna have to say no. Mm. But we don't really want them to continue making the kind of work that they do, making a living with things that involve them having been reprehensible. Well, I think this is gonna come up again. We're gonna because given the range of movies we look at, we're gonna run into other actors who have turned out to be monsters or horrible people. Or yeah, yeah. Just so think about it. Yeah, you stay know? conscious. Keep it. You know, maybe don't promote. Of course, we are promoting it. We're promoting Kevin Spacey. Uh, How do you feel about that? I f- oh, great. Now I feel like I need another shower. All right. I will say we'll do this. We did a show about a movie that contains Kevin Spacey, who has recently been accused of doing a number of horrible things. If you did not know about that, go online and start looking up articles and reading about this. Mm. There are two sides to this. So again, he has not been convicted. We're not convicting him here. Evidence seems to be fairly high, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're supposed to go with the whole innocent proving guilty. 
But at the very least, look it up, find out. If you didn't know and just thought, oh, he's that guy in American Beauty. Oh, he's the yeah. guy in House of Cards. Well, hey, why isn't he in this season? Mm-hmm. At least they yeah. didn't pull a Darren, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sergeant I York, know. I don't know. Uh, we'll put in Kevin Costner. It's yeah. the fir- same first name. <laughs> no one will notice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, no, but, here's Kevin Pollock. He can do it. Right. So think about it. Yeah. I guess that's the best we can do is think about it and reflect. So Yeah. Keep it in the consciousness, because art doesn't exist in a vacuum. It can't. Right. Let's go right into the Roundup. The Roundup. The Roundup. All right, so Max. Yeah. You you liked the film? I did. Now this is this is about we eighteen or nineteen years old. So did you think the film held up? Did did it show its age? In some ways, I mean, the clothes. They tried to keep the clothes fairly neutral because it didn't look like oh that's really old. You don't see any cars, so that's always a nice touch. As, you know, uh, nowadays it'd be everybody be on their cell phones and right. so forth. But no, I, I think it holds up very well. Okay. You obviously th- were glad you saw it. Yep. With, with the obvious exception of, yeah. of feeling I'm weird. glad I saw it with the you know uncomfortableness that accompanies that. Um, would you consider watching it another time? Honestly, right now, given the elephant, no. Okay. I don't think I would. Okay. I don't think I'm... I haven't figured it out yet. Um, I've... I watched the film again on video roughly when it came out. Um, I liked the film. I remembered it very well. I remembered it as being one of the better performances by Kevin Spacey, and I definitely remembered Danny DeVito's performance. I think he honestly... I don't know if it's because he didn't give himself as no, enough chances to do that, or he just wasn't given enough roles, but it is a hell of a role, and yeah. he does a really good job, and it is not Taxi. It is not The Penguin. It is none of that stuff. It is... There's a, still a lot of energy, but he keeps it so wrapped up. And in fact, there's many scenes where he's about to say something and he doesn't. It's and, very underplayed. Um, and the guy, uh, Carlisle Cullen, there, he's fine. <laughs> yes, Dr. Acula is fine. Yeah, I mean, he's meant to be innocent, so it, it's a decent performance from him. It actually is. Again, I don't like the character very much, so it's hard to separate. But I think he did a very good job because he's given very little... You don't get a lot of depth to Bob. You don't know a lot about him, except well, his religious... Well, one, one of the points from, from Phil is that there isn't a lot of Yeah, he doesn't Bob. have a lot of character, and yeah. I think he pull, pr- portrays that well. I would say that it is worth a second viewing. You factor out the elephant part, you know, oh, yeah. because they are good performances. There is good writing, and there's some things you do pick up on a second viewing. I was oh. not... I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of time between the two viewings. I wouldn't watch this, yeah. like, once a year or something. But it's good, hmm. and it's worth seeing if you can get over the elephant yeah so cool so there it is a, yeah. a, a film a problematic film yeah the big kahuna again we're starring uh, Danny DeVito and Kevin Spacey <laughs> also starting Peter Facinelli Peter excuse me yeah, or Facinelli however one pronounces that yeah. um, based on a play by Roger Rueff or Roof or however one pronounces mm-hmm. that Thanks for joining us. Uh, next week we'll discuss another film, and maybe we might, possibly, even, could be in the same room for that one. Otherwise, we shall be once again across country. But Indeed. for Max Mike Movies, this is Mike. And this is Max. Saying good night and good news. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you. Well, we probably won't see you at the movies because it's dark and we don't know what you look like. But so. there will be more music and less Nesman. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Hey, use people in the audience. You want to keep up? Because next week, Max and Mike, they're going to be talking about Raisin Arizona. So watch it, okay? Want to contact us? You can find our episodes online at MaxMikeMovies.com or follow our Twitter feed at MaxMikeMovies.
This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.